everyone, and happy Easter. I was going to say Halloween. Um, today I'm by myself. I don't know. Oh, sorry. <laughs> today, um, because today around where, where I'm living in Canada, it feels like summer. And like two weeks ago, there was a bunch of snow on the ground, so, you know, got me thinking. Man, if it feels like summer, what could I do for a summer episode? Well, I could do campfire ghost stories. So, that's what I'm doing. Because you tell ghost stories around a campfire, camp stories around a ghost fire. And, yeah, so if you're going to, you know, do something with summer, might as well do uh, campfire ghost stories. And, yeah. So... Before I get started, I'd like to make a movie recommendation for people who haven't seen said movie. Uh, the movie's called jo Joe Dirt with David Spade. Right here, I just grabbed it from my movie collection with over 83 movies. You know, no big deal. It's about this dude named Joe Dirt, played by David Spade, and uh, he, tries, he has to find his parents. He lost his parents when he was eight, and uh, he wants to find them, so, you know, released in 2003, blah, 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 it's a good movie, just watch that, the only reason I'm not talking about it so much is because, you know, I'm just going to do some, some ghost stories today, if you want to hear me stutter a bunch, you might want to listen to this episode, you know. So, yeah. Good times. And also, Chuck Norris can dribble a basketball underwater. Dawn saw the cactus, she knew it was perfect for their apartment. She and her husband, Joel, had just moved from her parents' house into her, their own place. They didn't have much furniture, mostly stuff from Goodwill or hand-me-downs from relatives. She wanted to buy something, anything, that would make their apartment feel like their own. And that great cactus just might do it. It didn't look like a cactus. It had broad green leaves with tiny little spines, and it was almost five feet tall. The next, the sign next to it in the plant store, see, stuttering, claimed that it didn't need much light or water. It would be perfect for their new apartment in the corner of the living room. Dawn didn't have a whole lot of money, but she pulled what she had from her wallet and proudly carried the cactus home. As she brought the cactus into their apartment, she heard a strange sound, sort of a humming from inside the thick cactus stem. She shook her head and the sound went away. She figured that she just, she just imagined it, or maybe that she was feeling a little lightheaded from carrying that huge plant half a block. We'll see. When, when Joel got home, 
He was thrilled. Thrilled. You heard me. He agreed that it was just the thing to make their apartment really special. Thrilled. He helped Don put it in the corner of the living room. The apartment really had a homey feeling now, as if it were a special place the two of them could share all, all of their time. The, their cats were curious about the cactus. Seymour, the smaller of the two cats, rubbed against the pot that held the cactus, but, bristle, but bristled when he felt the small, sharp needles. Thrilled. Clarissa, the fat Siamese, oh, that's not very liked to lay in the shade of the plant's branches, sometimes reaching up to lazily bat at one of its broad leaves. Thrilled. One morning, when Dawn woke up, she noticed that Clarissa didn't look well. Clarissa usually met Dawn at breakfast and insisted on lapping up the milk from her cereal bowl when she was finished. But that morning, Clarissa just lay in the corner under the plant and refused to move. By noon, Don was really worried about the cat and called Joel at work. Joel's reaction was his usual one. So the cat's too lazy to eat, what's the big deal? Yeah, you know. But when he came home, he realized why Don was so worried. Clarissa could barely move, and Seymour was acting sluggish too. Thrilled. Joel and Don put Joel and Don put both cats into the car and headed for the vet. When the vet saw Clarissa, he was very concerned. Her vital signs were very, very weak. Seymour was acting fairly frisky. So the vet suggested that they leave Clarissa there and take Seymour home. He'd call them in the morning and he'd give a full report. But Clarissa didn't live till morning. Sometime during the night, she passed away, with the vet standing by helplessly. He just couldn't figure out what was wrong with the cat. The vet called the next day, and Dawn was very upset by the news. But she knew, but she was more upset because Seymour was now showing the same symptoms that Clarissa had earlier. He was laying lazily underneath the plant, barely able to move. The cats were practically all she and Joel had. She said to the vet between sobs, the cats and the plant. The rest of their things were all hand-me-downs. Don could tell the second... Th thrilled. Don could tell by the sound of the vet's voice that he understood. Some people, the vet said, love animals more than they think they do. And when they lose them, it's as hard as losing a human being that they love. But the vet had something more important on his mind. Get Seymour in here quick. Seymour butts. <laughs> he said, Meanwhile, I'll do an autopsy on Clarice and I'll see, see if we can find out what killed her. Perhaps we can save Seymour butts. Sobbing, Don and Joel carried Seymour butts to the car. As they drove to the vet, Seymour Butts crawled up in Don's left, lap, lap, and went limp. The vet had arrived just, oh, thrilled. <laughs>
Yeah. The vet had just started the autopsy on Clarissa when Don and Joel, Joel got there. There was nothing they could do to help, he explained. It was the best for them to leave Seymour Butts with him and go home to try to relax. He, he told them to wait for his call. Reluctantly, Don and Joel agreed that the vet was right. They climbed into the car and headed home. They tried to relax in front of the TV, but they had trouble settling down. Every time they saw a commercial for cat food, she burst into tears. Joel tried not to show it, but he was very upset too. Seymour Butts had been his cat since he was in high school. He couldn't bear to lose him now. Joel looked over at... I mean, sorry. Joel looked over at the corner where the cactus was, imagining Seymour taking his nap beneath it. As he thought about it, the plant began to move. Thrilled. Joel closed his eyes and opened them again, to be sure of what he had seen. The plant was still moving, ever so slightly, shaking just a little bit. He looked back at the TV. He looked back at the plant. It was still shaking. He looked at Dawn. Thrilled. He could tell she had noticed it too, but she was pretending that she hadn't. Her eyes were glued to the TV screen, but every once in a while they'd dart to the corner where the plant stood, linger there a second, and then move back to the TV set. Dawn, Joel, said after a few minutes, what's with the plant? What plant? You know, that weird cactus you bought. Is it moving, or isn't it? Don and Joel both looked back at the plant. The plant was shaking back and forth now. It was definitely moving. It's shaking a little, Don said. Maybe that's because it's near the heater mentor or something. Just flipping the page. Just then, the plant shook a little more violently. And a strange humming noise filled the apartment. Thrilled. Thrilled. Shadow spider. Don, Joel said, you better call the plant store. That plant is acting weird. That is if the plant can act weird. Plant, 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 plant. But Joel, Don said, I don't want to tie up the phone line. The vet might try to call. Joel shook his head. I'm not staying in this apartment with that plant one more night. Now get on the phone and call the plant store. Make me a sandwich while you're at it. Yeah, that's what he said. The next thing you know, it's gonna be a break dancing on the rug. If you if you won't call, I will. Joel watched as Don picked up the phone, made the sandwich, and dialed the number of the plant store. She inquired about the plant, and then her face went white. She dropped the phone. Joel! She said. Joel! We've got to get out of here. Now. But, come on, Don. I was only kidding. It's only a plant. Joel! I mean it. Now! When, when they were out on the street, Don told Joel, Joel! What the plant store had told her. Those cactus... Those cactus... She said, gulping her breaths... They're imported from Mexico, and they're, they're what? They're full of eggs. Eggs? Come on, Don, what kind of eggs? Come on, you, you left my sandwich there for nothing? 
tarantula eggs. That's the, that's what the plant store said. And they said they, they were just about to hatch. That we had to get out of there. Shadow spider. Don, you're matching things. How could they sell something like that? You left my sandwich. I'm hungry now. They didn't know about the eggs until a couple of customers called to complain. Then they investigated and had all the plants in stock destroyed. But they couldn't track down everyone who, who bought one of the plants. I don't know, Don. I know it sounds weird, but Joel interrupted. Do you think that this might have anything to do with Larissa's death? Don thought for a second. How could it have? There's only one way to find out. Let's head to the vet's office right now. Don and Joel ran to the car and sped all the way to the vet's office. They rang the night bell, and after a few minutes, what that seemed like hours, the vet came to the door. Oh, he said, looking relieved. I was just trying to call you. I think that Seymour Butts is out of danger. It's a good thing that I performed that autopsy on Clarissa Butts. We might never have found out what's wrong. Doctor. Joel, Joel said. What exactly was wrong? It was like nothing I've ever seen before, but somehow Clarissa and Seymour Butts ate some tarantula eggs. In Clarissa's case, they hatched. I hardly know how to tell you this. The vet took off his glasses and rubbed his eyes. The baby spiders. Baby spiders. <laughs> started eating their way out of her stomach. Don and Joel gasped. And in Seymour Butt's case, we operated just in time to remove the eggs before they hatched. If we waited any longer, he never would have made it. He would have died the same way. <laughs> Don and Joel's faces had just turned sheet white. But aren't sheets brown? Do you have any idea how the cats got a hold of these eggs? The vet asked. It's a rather rare form of triantula that lays its eggs by boring a tiny hole into a cactus plant. Joel and Don could only stare at each other in disbelief. They knew all too well where the triantula eggs came from, and they knew they couldn't go home. Now, every moral has a story, or other way around, you know? And, you know, I think the moral of this story is, um, cactuses, don't buy cactuses, you know? short scary story called the ghost at home last night a friend rushed me out of the house to catch the opening at a local bar's music night after a few drinks i realized my phone wasn't in my pocket i checked the table we were sitting at the bar the bathrooms and after no luck i used my friend's phone to call mine after two rings someone at answered 
gave out a low, raspy giggle and hung up. They didn't answer again. I eventually gave up. Uh, I gave it up as a lost cause and headed home. I found my phone lying on my nightstand right where I left it. sat on the bus to my way, on my way to school, listening to music and paying little to no attention to the other students. At one of my stops, my mind snapped back to reality. I looked towards the small house, Tommy's house, I thought. A hand slipped through the drapes of the window and waved the bus driver to move on. He's sick, I thought, paying no large amount of attention to the situation. The day flew by. I watched the local news channel after school, and what I heard paralyzed me. Tommy's entire family was murdered that day by an unknown suspect. After hearing this news, I moved back up to my room and quietly fell asleep. The next day, I sat on the bus. We drove past Tommy's house and the bus driver, unaware of Tommy's family's fate, stopped at his home. As I was about to get up and explain to her what happened, happened, thrilled, something caught my eye. Pale hand slipped through the drapes of the window and waved the bus driver on. I sat on the bus, terrified. The Rear View Mirror In the summer of 2013, I found myself driving home along the Highway 902. It's the worst number from a party it was almost midnight midnight and needless to say it was pitch black if it was needless to say you wouldn't have said it as it was usual at night i was on edge i had the radio off and could hear nothing but the muffled roar of tires on pavement and the dull hum of the engine i stole a glance into the middle rearview mirror and saw nothing but darkness through the back window i know that i looked backward and saw nothing i'm sure of it just the seemingly endless blackness of the night. I remembered it so clearly, because not ten seconds later, a car passed me to the left, headlights on. I had one of those sudden adrenaline rushes, like when you think you see a person outside your bedroom window when it's just a tree, or when you start awake at night with a feeling of falling, feeling of falling, feeling of falling. <laughs> ten seconds later, nothing, ten seconds earlier, sorry, Nothing had been behind me. Suddenly, a car. I drove the rest of the way home, sh shivering, shivering, and knowing something was off. The next morning, I found two sets of scratches near the back of my, ma my man van. One of them was on the left rear, and one of them was on the right. The car was pretty old. They could have been there for months, but that was the first time I that I distinctly remembered seeing them. In hindsight, there are two possibilities for what happened that night. Possibility one, by some glitch in reality or some or something paranormal. The other car had somehow appeared behind me within 10 seconds of me checking my mirror. Like some weird ghost crap or something. However, the second option is what makes my blood run cold whenever I consider it. I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me until months after the fact 
but it makes me dread driving alone at night even more. Possibility 2. The car was normal. It approached me from the rear and passed to me, passed me on my left. However, something large and wide and as black as the night had been clinging to the rear of my the rear of my car, obscuring my view through the window and leaving deep scratches on the sides, and I'd inadvertently drive it home with me. Now, our final story. The cell phone. There was a woman who had a six-year-old son. One day, she bought a new mobile phone. When she came home from work, she started cooking dinner and left her new phone on the kitchen table. Her son came into the kitchen and saw the phone. He asked his mother if he could play with it. She told him that he could, so long as he didn't call anyone or delete any text messages. Of course, the boy agreed and went off to his room to play the phone. Around 10 p.m. that night, she went she went upstairs to tuck in her son and found him fast asleep on his bed. Now, what? This is where I got some questions. Sorry. My bedtime was like 7 when I was 6, so... Lucky. And, um, they didn't come down to eat supper, or what happened? Does he ever hang out with his mom? Anyway. A new cell phone was lying on the ground beside the bed. She picked it up and began browsing through the settings to make sure he hadn't deleted anything. She noticed some minor changes. He changed the theme, the background, and gave her a new ringtone. She noticed that he had taken some pictures with the cell phone, too. She opened the images folder and browsed through them. How cute, she thought. He had been taking pictures of, of himself. Of him. Thrilled. Then he came across the last photo in, in the folder. When she saw it, she couldn't believe her eyes. Were her eyes playing tricks on her, or what? It was a photo of her son lying asleep on the bed. But the disturbing thing was... What was, what was lurking in the left corner of the picture? It seemed to show the left side of a grotesque old woman's face beside him on the bed. Thank you all that listened to this episode for listening to my podcast, and I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Sorry the first um, story was 12 minutes long and every other one was 2 minutes or less, but, you know, short, I think I didn't have much time to do this, so I decided, you know, rip through a couple quick short stories that are pretty scary, and anyway... Thank you for listening so much. Uh, it means a lot to me that you listen to this podcast, and I hope that you tell people. I hope that you tell people about it. Your, your friends, your family, your um, your significant other personage, personage, or even that random dude working at Subway. Can't and can't forget to tell Jared. That was a joke. Please, please recognize that was a joke. And any and anyway, thank you. The, the all the listeners that I have, you guys are the best. And anyway, thank you for listening. And um, don't forget check check out um, Joe Dirt, and tell tell your friends about this podcast. Um, you know, if you have friends that listen to this podcast, 
and you guys are the best. I am. I'm on. I'm available. My podcast is available on basically every podcatcher except for Google Play. So, you know, you can find me on basically anywhere. So, don't sweat it. Anyway, again for the probably sixtieth time, thank you for listening. I'll see you in the well. I won't see you in the next episode. You'll hear me in the next episode. Thank you.